Welcome back. It's your favorite podcast with your favorite hosts. Yes, it's Teen It Up with CNV. I believe this is episode six. I'm not good at math. I think I usually start the show off by saying that every time that I say what episode it is. Um, but we're back. Uh, it's another week, another week of sports. Uh, so, Vladdy, how, how you been? How you been over the last week? Uh, good. Uh, had a good weekend. Um, was at a family friend's house on Saturday. They were opening up their pool for the year. So, been a nice little pool party there. But otherwise, just going to work, watching some sports, and going to the gym. Kind of, kind of the usual. What about you? Anything noteworthy? Anything new? No, man. Uh, um, I didn't do much. Uh, I went to a concert Friday night. Uh, so I guess I did do something somewhat interesting. Uh, I went to the Lumineers show. Ooh. Not really someone I listened to that much. I like did some prep like the days prior and listened to some like songs. So I knew like some of them. So I could at least kind of like, m- like, m- like mumble some of the songs. Cause I, I like knew it was familiar with them, but really good live. I didn't realize how popular they were. They're like, like I looked them up on Spotify after and they get more listens than like all the big like country guys I listen to. Rhett and Aldine and Luke Combs, like they get more Spotify listens to that. Um, so I was surprised how popular and packed it was, but they they were I was impressed with them live. They sound very similar to their songs. Was it a DTE or it was at DTE, now called Pine Knob. Uh, it'll always be DTE for our generation. For it's so funny you say that because like uh, a parent I was with. Was like oh like it uh, like no one ever even called it DTE when it was DTE anyways like it was always just pine knobs. It, that's all based on what generation you came from. Right yes, for, for our parents, yeah, it was it was pine knob for. So I didn't even know that. I didn't even know it was pine knob beforehand. Yep. That, so, but yeah, well, should we get into the sports? Let's do it. This is a sports podcast. Might as well talk about some less deportes. Why they pay us big bucks. Let's start off. Uh, we're going to have another final starting on Wednesday, as since we've last talked, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be moving on to their third straight Stanley Cup final. Um, they're really one of the best teams that we've seen in the 21st century. Uh, you could argue they go with, I mean, the back-to-back that Crosby's Penguins had in 16 and 17. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else. I mean, the, the Blackhawks won three and four. Four years, I believe. Three are you gonna talk? Are you talking sustained excellence or like a one-time peak? Uh, sustained ex- excellence from year to year. I know you can talk about the Red Wings. That's, um, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, I mean the really early two thousand Red Wings, and then there was a lull until oh eight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm talking like going to the finals and having a legit chance of winning. Yep. They can move on to. They'll be the first team to three P if they win since the early 80s 80 to 83 new york islanders are the last team to three-peat so it's been wow. years since that's happened um over 40 years that is uh so they so they kind of dominated the last few they won four games in a row after going down to uh they just looked like they kind of outclassed them and that they played the game they wanted to play and the rangers played the way the lightning wanted to play uh and they've kind of morphed this style of play where it's very uh, and it looks like just an experienced team and that they they come ready to play. They play a structured game. They don't give up very many goals. They have one of the best goaltenders in the league. And then they have the stars to score when they need to. They're not scoring these uh, like Colorado has, the other team in the Stanley Cup. They're not scoring these five, six goal games, um, but they're winning these 3-2, 2-0, 4-1, 3-1 games uh, where they just kind of wear down an opponent and just make make life 
they know they have the talent to score when the time comes. Um, but in the meantime, they just make life on the other team for stars very difficult. Um, and that's what they did to the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers, they played tough every game. Every single game was close, uh, mostly because Igor Shosturkin was just as good, if, if not. Actually, I'm going to not even say if not. He was definitely better than Andre Vasilevsky in the series. He's going to win the Vesna Award for the, the league's top goaltender. Um, so he was excellent. He was kind of the only reason this thing even got to six games. I mean, obviously they went down, um, two and had to find back and win four games in a row. Probably the biggest storyline for the Rangers side as they head into the off season was, uh, head coach Gerard Gallant chose to, um, sit or healthy scratch Capo Caco in game six. Uh, Capo was a second overall pick in 2019. He plays on the third line kid line that actually was doing great. I've mentioned them on different podcasts about how they've really contributed and been a really solid third line. They're a large portion, even when they're not generating offense, they're pushing the play in a way that they're a very effective third line. They have a 22 year old, uh, a 21 year old and Capo Caco and then a 20 year old. So that's why they're called the kid line. Uh, but he was, he was healthy scratched. Um, I thought it was the wrong move. I didn't think they were the problem. Obviously, you lose three games in a row. You have to change something. He flipped all the lines. They got dominated in the first period. We're only down. They may not even been down, um, but he he was quick to go back to the lines that he he had in the prior games, all series, all playoffs long for that matter. Um, so it was very interesting. He sat him for a fourth line role player um, who he thought could provide a little more energy. It, it didn't work out. Uh, it was 2-1 loss. Steven Stamkos scored both goals to move on. Uh, so we'll, moving ahead to the Stanley Cup, uh, the Avalanche are, I wouldn't say heavy favorites, but are definite objective favorites. Um, I believe you can get them on a sports book for around minus 200 right now to win the series. Uh, it's going to be both teams' toughest battle. Uh, I mean, both teams. The only question mark and the only reason I can even see the Avs losing this series is the goaltending. Uh, Darcy Kemper was injured for a lot of the Western Conference finals. He's had eye issues the whole playoffs. You don't know what that's going to do to a goalie's problem or mental psyche, that is. Uh, So whether he comes back and is able to be, you know, the solid NHL goalie he is, which he was shaky at times throughout the playoffs when he was healthy. Uh, And if he can't go, they're going to have a backup in net, which when you play Tampa uh, could cause issues. So I really see that being the only way Colorado even has a chance at losing this. I do think uh, Tampa's experience is going to get this game to at least – or this series, that is, to at least six games. Uh, I just think they're so hard to play against and that Colorado is going to have an adjusting period to not being able to set uh, the tempo all the time. But overall, they're just a deeper, more explosive team. You know, I mentioned that Tampa was kind of just a wear and tear game. Uh, so it, it's two styles of t- play that we ha- haven't – you know, our two ends of the spectrum kind of that we've seen mm-hmm. – for them for the two playoffs. Um, I think it's going to be a great series. It's definitely the two best teams. Um, so, it, I, I mean, storylines, you could talk about the Rangers being a bigger market for hockey uh, to help them out. But I, I think the storylines are there. You got the back-to-back champs against um, basically a team that's been there every year in the playoffs for the last five years and just hasn't been able to get over the hump. They have the best team. They were the best team this year. Uh, I think they'll win it all. I I do think this is going to go seven. I'm going to take the abs in seven. Um, and that's my Stanley cup preview. That's how, how does a goalie get eye issues? Well, would he... he, so he took a stick. So I don't know why they're allowed to do this. Their mask is actually wide enough so they can see uh, that a stick could get in there. 
So he, okay. took, he took a stick uh, to the eye. That hurts. Yeah. That's... So he got that in the first round, and then he played all the way up until, I want to say, game one of the Western Cup. So he got through the full second round, and then in the conference final, uh, he came out. He didn't come back in – no, he got hurt mid-game, and then he never went back in the rest of the series, and they said it was – the eye issue was still bothering So. We'll move on to another finals, the NBA, the MB Clown League. We're, we're going to go into a new segment uh, after this, but since we've last talked, we are currently at, obviously, there's a game going on in about an hour and a half from now because uh, we have to cater to the West Coast. I know this game's in the West Coast, but it's past my bedtime at 9 o'clock. <laughs> the series is tied at 2 as we await game 5 tonight. Uh, Vladdy, the Warriors tie it up on Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So games three and four have happened since last week, since we last met. Um, Boston's got a lot of size, a lot of athleticism, um, making it tough. Golden State really has to play good, has to play like good basketball to just to be competitive in the games. So game three, Boston just came out flying. I think they used the energy of the crowd. They just got up and punched Golden State in the head and just said, watch this. Um, they were hitting shots. There was hustle. There was rebounding the defense. It was just like a it was just a total run over, and then obviously the the third quarter Warriors showed up and yep. Steph Curry Steph Curry playing with four fouls, so he did pick up a couple of stupid fouls in Game Three, which limited him. But well, uh, you obviously got no choice. It's the finals. Uh, Steve Kerr played Curry with four fouls, and he mounted an incredible comeback. They might mm-hmm. be down like 15, 18 at one point. Curry brought him all the way back up to the point when they go up by one. Right, a timeout. Coming out of the timeout, Steph Curry's on the bench, and within 35 seconds, Boston's up by 10 again. Yeah, which I thought was a really dumb move by Steve Kerr. I understand you don't want to get him the fifth foul, but you trusted him enough to not get a fifth foul in the first nine minutes of the third quarter. I don't understand why you don't let him keep going. Yeah, you he also takes out. Run. He also takes out Clay Thompson to start the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's part of Clay's. Usual like that's part of that's part of his rotation. I think that's part of the usual rotation that they run, but. Right, but I, I don't know. In an NBA Finals, you got to run with your guys. That's true. That's, that's true. And then, I mean, then I think the one thing that was funny was after the game, you had Clay Thompson. I think Steve Kerr as well were crying about the Boston mm. crowd, telling Draymond mm. or telling Draymond to ask himself, which I thought was soft. It was like you 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 want to be like a kind of a flashy showboat team. You got to deal with the fact that people aren't right. going to you. That, that, and, that just, and, and, and what do you think they were saying to Kyrie Irving to, in the first? Round? Oh my God, that's worse. <laughs> Ten times worse. Yeah. But yeah, so going on to Game Four, I thought Game Four was probably the best game of the series so far. Um, close the entire time. Steph Curry put on an absolute masterclass. I mean, you watch this guy play, and it's oh wow, like it, it's incredible. You know, Wiggins and Clay had good supplemental roles in game four. Kavon Looney had probably the biggest impact. So they, he didn't start. They I think they started with Otto Porter to try and generate more offense, mm. but they quickly realized that they just don't have the size about Kavon Looney to match up with Robert Williams, with Al Horford, with Tatum. And so brought Kavon Looney on. He finished with a plus 21 differential. And that was just, I think that was a turning point. So I think going forward, they're going to have to find a way to play with Draymond Green and Kevon Looney on the court at the same time. It severely limits you offensively because you're effectively playing three and a half on five Mm -hmm. guys, but you got to do it because you're going to get run over by Robert Williams and the Celtics if you don't have Kevon Looney's size. 
Other than that, Boston completely imploded at the end. It looked like that kind of young team that hadn't been there scored three points in the final four minutes. Not going to win many games like that. Mm-hmm. And I think Jason Tatum just kind of completely ghosted. But yeah. yeah, speaking of that ghosted, over 26 and a half points tonight. I pounded it. That's my lock of the night. I guarantee he gets that. I do think I, I think the Warriors win tonight and they go up 3-2. Uh, but I do think this is going to be another close one. I really do. Uh, yeah. I actually think the Celtics are a better over overall all around team than the Warriors. The Warriors can just score in bunches and score fast that they're never out of a game. Yeah. No. Um. If I'm gonna, if I guess I'm gonna preview this best of three kind of blitz that we have to end the NBA season. You, like I said, you got to continue to find a way to get Looney on the court. You need to get your twenty from Clay. Draymond Green's got to wake up. Uh, the one thing I will say to defend him is the plays that he makes, he's not there to drop 15 a night. He's there to play defense and facilitate. So that's the one defense I can have. But um, other than that, two points. what two points. Oh, wait, hold, I didn't say, I said, I said the, the one defense. I didn't say there's many. Other than Dude, that, I could go out there in an NBA finals game and get two points. Okay. All right. I could go out there, dribble, and get fouled and make two free throws. <laughs> I could. I mean, you play me the whole game, I could yeah. do it. I mean, fair. Um, I would say keep the turnovers low. You're already giving up so many possessions on the offensive glass just because you don't have the size. So can't, can't do that. On Boston's side, like I said, Jason Tatum needs to be, to be better. If you want to get classed into that superstar like ranking with the Stephs, with the LeBrons, with right. the Kawhis. You can't have your shooting percentage be less than Steph Curry's points per game. That's not okay. And I feel um, like we've seen flashes of him. Yeah. Be great. We just haven't seen a full game of him take over. Yeah. Like game three was kind of jam- the the win in game three uh, was Jalen Brown kind of, especially in the first half. I think he had like twenty two in the first half. It was his. He kind of went for an explosion. Yep. And Tatum Tatum was good in support. I want to say he had like twenty four. I had over twenty five and a half points for him. It's a tough night, but you're right. He hasn't taken over a game like a super upper echelon superstar ha- has to do in the finals. Yeah. No, other than that though, just keep driving so much. So much of that offense is unlocked when Jason Tatum gets into the paint and then can either attack and get foul trouble on the Warriors players or dish it out. They're absolutely lethal shooting the ball when they're open. Um, can you get one or two of Horford smarter Derek White showing up and dropping some points and just defensively stop sagging on Steph Curry. I mean, <laughs> Like you, you, you obviously on the pick and roll, Mark is smart. Don't go under the screen. And if you're the big man, stop dropping. They, they give Curry about 15 points a night just on free shots, almost like warm up level where he just steps into a three. You're not, it's not a good plan. And the other thing I'd say is make sure that I think the Celtics should play ahead in the sense that the Warriors are kind of front runners at times in the sense that. They, they get up ahead of you, and then that's when their, their brilliance goes and the confidence is going, the crowd's into it, the swagger's there. But if you get behind them, I don't really see a lot of fourth-quarter comebacks from that team. They, mm-hmm. I think sometimes they'll try when they're that far down, they'll try and cute their way out of it. They start taking the off-balance threes, the over-your-head skyhook passes, and I think they end up making mistakes and they play their way out of games. So just don't, don't get behind, don't let them run you over. I did, I did have one other cool uh, – a couple cool statistics. After four games, 16 quarters, and 192 minutes, Golden State leads 422 to 421. Wow. Incredibly even. And then on top of that, Golden State has won the third quarters in four games by 49 points. So, on average, they're 12 points better than Boston is in the, uh, in the third quarter. 
So that's kind of what I had. That's kind of what I had on the NBA Finals. Um, I, I still think the Warriors will uh, edge it out. Um, I had them from five at the beginning, but didn't work out. I, I think they'll find a way. They're at be six and seven. I think the, the scoring, they got home court back. So I think I think that's how it ends for me. But, and guess who had him in seven from the start? You. Me. Good darn, for you. Darn tootin', baby. Got to give you one. Got to give you one. But All right, so game five tonight, obviously. So, it's, I mean, five, it could be over. I think game seven would be like what? Thursday, Sunday. Might yeah, be- Thursday, Sunday. Oh, that's Thursday, NBA's Sunday. wet dream, in my opinion. Getting a Sunday okay. night game, seven. Oh, yeah. Man. But you could put that thing yeah, Sunday night is perfect too because you can put that thing at like six, seven or eight they o'clock. They have it scheduled for eight. Yeah, like you don't have to put that thing at nine o'clock yep. like you do on the weekdays, yep. um, and everyone can watch it from coast to coast. All right, um, do we want to talk a little U.S. Open? Yeah. So one of the four weeks that we pay attention in golf is back. We <laughs> had the PGA a month ago, and we're here to talk about golf again. Golf makes the highlights again. Golf killing it. Um, controversial, but killing it. Um, so all the live guys are going to be able to play. Uh, the betting favorite at plus 900. Very low odds. They love him this week. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why I love him, but he's not going to be my pick for the week. Um, it's Rory McIlroy at plus 900. Uh, Justin Thomas at plus 1100 is the second favorite. Obviously those two went head to head last week and both absolutely tore up that golf course in the RBC Canadian open. Um, Obviously the courses don't get very hard in Canada. So he won, he shot minus six in the last day. I think Um, it's in Brookline country club in Massachusetts. Um, From what I hear, it's it's your typical U S open course and it's long, narrow, and very hard rough. Um, and that if you could stay in the fairway, you're better off, which is usually the case for a U.S. Open. Although we've seen long hitters win a lot in the past. John Rahm, uh, Brooks Kepka won a couple years ago. Bryson DeChambeau won two years ago. All long hitters uh, that seem to have no problem with the narrow fairways. Um, so my pick for the weekend is Xander Shoffley. He's been in and out of the top 10. I believe he's in it right now. Might be wrong. Uh, a guy that is one of the best accuracy drivers on tour. He's also a great approach shot player. Um, and that, that I think that comes to fruition more in the U S open when uh, it's it, from what I saw and read in an article, it's a second shot course. So guys like him, uh, Morikawa is a good ball striker. Um, those kind of guys are going to really succeed in this course. Yeah. Um, I went with a, I went with a similar kind of ball striking guy. I went for the string bean himself, Will Zalatoris. Um, was looking at a couple of stats. I think he leads the tour in shots gained uh, with with it into the approach into the green. And like you said, that's your it's your second shot. Can he find the fairway? And after that, he'll let the natural part of his game take over, set himself up for some possible birdies, and worst case, walk away with a par. And the, I mean, the U.S. Open designs their course to what uh, win. They want an even par to win, right? So right. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you can drop a score, get a birdie. That's that's huge, and I think having that ball striking ability, like you said, is going to be the, the key thing. I'm going to go for Will Zalatoris as my pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't like it for this reason. I have a hard time picking guys that were like played well in the last major 
I think ever since that Tiger era is over, you see guys like there's so many good guys now that it's so hard to compete after you won yep. again. Like the high of winning one major in a season. Like I think that's why we haven't we haven't seen a guy win multiple majors in a year uh, since before COVID. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Yeah. But um, again, obviously been- in that playoff for the PGA, um, I also just he's just a he's just a little string bean. Bothers me <laughs> watching him. Yeah, well, do we want to debut the new segment? Let's do it. All right, so we've got a new segment, which hopefully we can keep, we make this a returning feature, but it'll be the clown of the week. We will scour the sports world, we will turn over every stone, and we will find the person, the group of people, the entity, whatever it might be that made an ass of themselves and had just – just had a had a bad week you know whether it be on on court on field or something you're doing off field that that's good that's going to be our new segment so you want to you want to give us your fir- the first ever clown of the week on on the podcast yeah and i'm actually going to change what i was going to say because i thought of a better one while we were going while okay. you were introducing it i'm going to go with the east carolina university baseball center fielder and left fielder you know your names you know what you did <laughs> probably crying about it because your season's over after you lost to Texas in the super regional. I don't know what they did. So can you tell me? So to preface in a very close game one. So Eastern Carolina has like, like maybe, maybe chest high fences. Like they're probably four feet, maybe, maybe five. Um, So pretty short fences. These two clowns of the week run into each other. I don't know if it hits one. Love. And it hit, hits a glove and goes over the wall for a home run. Oh, no. A ball that, like, what was barely on the warning track. Like, it's a good – it had to have gone probably a good 10 to 12 more feet to, to be a home run, and they just steered it. They just got it over the fence. Wow. That's, that's one of those not top plays that you'd see win so often they got to retire it just because they're like, sorry, guys, like, no one's going to beat you. Right. I'm pretty sure it made number one on not yeah. top 10. But, uh, and it made our clowning of the week, which is probably a bigger deal than that. That is, that is more important than ESPN's stupid rankings. But I go for Draymond Green. I defended him a little bit earlier in the podcast. However, that's defending his play, not defending the off-field antics or off-field, the off-court antics. I mean, he talks a lot on his podcast. He talks a lot about his podcast, and he's writing checks that his game isn't cashing. Um You've got, what, more fouls than points, uh, lots of turnovers. Again, points are not his thing. You play with the two greatest shooters of all time, that's fine. But he's passive. He There was a couple times I was watching game four, he's at the rim. And he's dumping it off to someone next to him, dropping turnovers because he's afraid to attack the basket. And forget about shooting. That's one of the uglier forms I think I've ever seen. Mm. So my clown of the week is Draymond Green. Yeah, I mean, he's just kind of been a clown in general uh, with his antics in this finals. Um, I don't just – I don't understand, and maybe it's why he gets under people's, like, skin and is so effective at doing it. I just don't understand how anyone doesn't laugh at him. Like, here are the worst player on the court right now, and you're trying to talk some talk some crap right now. And I just don't understand how, how you just uh, don't, like, just literally laugh in his face. I mean – I'm not on the court. I, I can't help you with that, but. Right. I don't think, yeah. I don't think, they wouldn't let me on the court. Am I good enough? 
no, no, no. All right. Thanks, Captain. So, yeah. Hey. So for this week's debate, um, after a fiery and passionate debate last week, we decided to tone it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe get a little more consensus here, but we went with the biggest draft busts in sports history. So we won the top five. I had an honorable mention. Um, you, where do you want to start? You want to you want to start go five five down, or how do you want to go? I didn't necessarily have an order to mine. To be okay. I, so I have one. I have like a number one, and then the all the other ones are kind of like they were all failures. Or you want to start with one of your failures? Also, I, I yeah. did. I did have an order, so. Okay, so one of my not number one, I'm just going to name the four off that I kind of had in the same spot, is Anthony Bennett. Okay. Number one overall pick for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he played in the G League. Yeah. Um, so I did, I, I, dude, he was on like a cover of some video game I played, and I remember playing with the Cavs, Kyrie Irving. It was before LeBron got there. It was Kyrie Irving and Anthony Bennett. And they were the worst team in the league. And I used to always play with them. And then I had not heard that game until I did some research for this or heard his name until I did some research. Nice. So I found out he plays in the G league still, um, or as of 2021, he played in the G league. So, I mean, I don't know if it's any worse than that. I also had Anthony Bennett. I had him as my number five, you you know, you go number one overall 2013 was kind of a weak draft. I think you had Giannis at 15, but other than that, it was a combination of nobodies and has-beens, but um, he played on four teams in four years and he averaged 4.4 points and (laughs) 3.1 rebounds in the NBA. You're never going to like that out of an, out of a draft pick, let alone number one. So I went with Anthony Bennett, number five. Draymond green numbers. (laughs) Um, so my next one was sorry, my zoom is, is zooming me. Uh, my next one is Greg Oden. Uh, not only did Anthony Bennett play four years, Greg Oden played 84 games, which by my math is barely one full season. Um, obviously, that's mostly due to injury as opposed to like just being bad. Uh, I, and he, when he came back, like he just wasn't the same player from all those gruesome injuries, but still injury or not. I mean, 84 games, number one overall pick. He was like a phenom at Ohio state. It's like right when I first started watching college basketball or remember watching college basketball. Um, but yeah, he's on my list as a bust. I went with Greg Oden at number four as well. I, I, for me, number three and four were kind of interchangeable, but I wanted to put Greg Oden a little bit farther down the list just because it was injuries. It wasn't like you said, bad play. And I think what makes him so much worse is the fact that Kevin Durant was number two. Yeah. That, just... feeds, in, that feeds into my next guy because this next guy I don't think necessarily um, is worthy of a top five. He's definitely like an all-time bust. Um, but it's who got drafted after him. And the fact that it hits so close to home and that's Darko yep. Milic. <laughs> uh, he got drafted after LeBron James, which is already a little pressure in its own to get drafted after the second best basketball player of all time. Oh, get out of here. And then he also got drafted after Carmelo Anthony, uh, Dwayne Wade. I, be- I believe Chris Paul was in that draft. Chris Bosh. Chris, Chris Bosh. Bosh the that's right, wrong Chris. Um, and he played garbage minutes on a championship team and was out of the league by 28. Um, and the Pistons haven't done anything since 2004. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. They made the Eastern Conference Finals every year until 2008. They just couldn't get over the hump. 
kept okay. getting but fair enough good to know um i i have darko on my list but he's a little bit higher up for number three i went with ryan leaf um that is he was quarterback with peyton manning um he was compared to Peyton Manning. He was the, it was kind of that one-two or one-A, one-B punch with Peyton in, I think it was 1998. And Ryan Leaf, just poor play. Obviously, again, you you get comp to Peyton Manning and you see what he does. It makes you look worse. But 13 touchdowns, 33 interception career ratio, 4-14 and 14 career record. Just bust. Yeah, I didn't have him on my list, but he was pretty darn close. Uh, my next one is Jamarcus Russell, who's probably the most well-known and stereotypical bust when you're talking about busts. He played three seasons. Um, he had trouble off the field. He had trouble on the field. He got fat um, and never really was good because he got fat, and then he got off, had off-the-field issues. Um, yeah, I mean, and he was kind of supposed to be the, the it guy, and the Raiders also are a team that really haven't been good since that. No, Jamarcus Russell, he's more of a disappointment because, like, it all fell onto his shoulders. The work ethic wasn't there. You've got the stories. Yeah. The coaches thought he wasn't watching tape, so they gave him a blank film, told him, go watch go watch the film this weekend. Uh, he came back Monday morning and said, yeah, I was watching Blitz coverage. And they were like, no, you weren't because we didn't put anything on it. <laughs> and that kind of encompasses Jamarcus Russell, just kind of just poor work ethic, no, 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 no interest, no hunger. Was he your number one? Was he, was he your number, number one? Number two. two. I'm curious if we have the same number one. Um, my my number one or my objective number one. I had heard about this guy before, and then I did some research into his story, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's, oh, no. That's tough. Uh, my number one is Matt Bush. Uh, is that who your number one is? No. I don't know who that is. You know, so he was a number one overall pick for the Padres in, like, 04, 05, like, around there. Which baseball, I'm a little more subjective to. It's the hardest sport to get to the actual MLB because there's so many levels of minor league baseball. I go straight to the minors. So I'm a little easier on those guys. Um, He never made the MLB. He actually got serious, serious, like deep drug problems. Uh, He got uh, an assault charge where he assaulted a high school lacrosse player. Uh, yelling, I am effing Matt Bush, and went to jail for years. He chose to stay in prison for an extra extra time. I didn't hear how much it was um, because his alcohol problems were so bad that he chose to stay in there. Wow. Um, so a little depressing. That but, is, that's but depressing. Talk about a number one overall pick that went from like to the like literal rock bottom. Yeah. I hope he's better now. It said he got out of prison in 2016, the article I read. So hopefully he's better now. Uh, yeah, for me, for, for me, so I, I kind of stayed away from both the MLB and the NHL guys just because unless you're that generational talent, you're not really expected to be a, fir- to be a first-round pick and come quickly contribute to a winning team or a team. Right. So I kind of gave him a little bit more leeway. There's more that can go wrong. My number one was Darko, actually. I think when you – when you factor in that Carmel Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch were the three picks after him, when you factor in the fact that um, he went to a good system, the Detroit Pistons were a very well-run organization. Right. He, wasn't, he wasn't walking into the Cavaliers. He wasn't walking into a poverty franchise. He was walking into a good team with a good support structure. He just couldn't play. 
the maybe the scouts got it wrong. Maybe there, I think there was something about the the culture difference coming over from. I think it was uh, I don't think it was Serbia. Serbia. But, oh. It might have been, but wherever he was, whatever uh, Baltic countries from there, there was culture differences there. But I think the fact that there was no injuries, the fact that there was no off field issues, the fact that he just couldn't play basketball. And I think that's he's and then you couple in the Hall of Famers that came afterwards. I think Darko is my biggest draft bust of all time. Uh, when you're nicknamed the human victory cigar and your name is not uh, <laughs> and your name is not Steve Izzo, uh, you know, it's a problem. Victory cigar, I love it. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's that. I, I like that. That's a, that's a good debate. I'd never heard of Matt Bush, but that that, that, that was a sad story. Yeah, I didn't really want to get morbid, but I just had to exemplify why I had him so high on my list. Yeah, the story's the story. The, the busts are the bust. There are many ways to do it. But right. No, a good good pod this week to everyone. Um, listen in, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know if there's any any interesting topics you like us to cover, any interesting debate topics you want. Just just keep keep up the keep up the, the content and we'll talk to you soon, Connor. Anything you want to say? Yeah, if you made it this far in this freaking video, if you made it this far, listen. whether you're listening on YouTube and you're watching me do all these hand motions or you're listening to me on Spotify picturing me do all these hand motions, if you've made it this far, there's no reason you can't share this with your friends, your girlfriend, your partner, your husband, your wife, um, your brother-in-law, his friends. There's no reason you can't show it to them. Uh, there's absolutely no reason it takes 30 seconds. Just like it on YouTube, like it on Spotify, follow us on either or follow us on Twitter. It takes 30 seconds to do maybe all of those. Uh, and we'd really appreciate it. So Thank you. we're out and hit them, hit them straight this week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week.